Good morning. Today's daf is daf Kufchof Gimel, 123. We're going to go from the bottom of Kufchof Beis and with Beis 122b. Um, today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas David Yitzchak Mordechai Ben Yosef. May his memory be a blessing. Now, yeah, so we're up to the sixth, seventh last line of Kufchof Beis. And we're discussing Mukta. So the Mishnah came along and said, you can take a hammer and use it to open nuts and an axe to cut a cake of dried figs. It used to compress their figs into a large uh, cake, etc. So now we're going to discuss, so what sort of hammer are we speaking about? Is a hammer not Mukta? What's the status? So we get... We're going to see, we're going to have about a few, we're going to have a few different opinions of what sort of hammer. So, Omar Rav Yehuda, Kuno Shala Goizim, the Petsa Boy Say Goizim. Rav Yehuda says it's a special hammer that was dedicated for opening nuts. And that's why it's not Muxer and you're allowed to use it to open nuts. Aval Shena Fochim, if you take a blacksmith's hammer, that would be Osur. Kosovar, because he holds. Dovo Shemalachta Leisur, Afilu Latzare Kufo Osur. Something that is generally used for an osur purpose, it's mutza even to use it for a mutar purpose. So tzorech, gufo means legufo shel melocha acheres. You want to use it for another melocha. That I'm just quoting. Uh, I'm quoting Rashi. So even though you want to use this hammer, the blacksmith's hammer or the builder's hammer, for another purpose, which is heter, I opening the nuts, it's also to use. So Amalei Rabba Rabba said to him, Elamayata Sefer Dektani Ve'esaratachas Ve'esamaz Ve'esamalgeiz Losei Solov Lekatan Ratachas. Then, but what about later on the Mishnah? We say you can use a pitchfork or a winnowing shovel to put food on for a child. He says, Who would ever have a pitchfork specifically there for feeding, for passing food to a child? The only time you'd use it is if the pitchfork was around and the child really wanted to use it as his fork or whatever, so then you would use it. But you're never going to dedicate a pitchfork for a child to use. So it can't be that that's Pshat in the Mishnah. Again, Rabbi Yehuda came along and said Pshat in the Mishnah. All these kalim that sound like they're forbidden kalim. What I mean by forbidden kalim here, by klisha malachtole isur, a kli that is normally used for isur. A saw is normally used for cutting wood, which is osur on Shabbos. Um... Uh, hammers usually used for building or a blacksmith or something. Both those activities are also on Shabbos. And what else? An axe also for cutting uh, trees and things. So those are all also. So Rabbi Yehuda came along and said the only time it would be mutar is if it's dedicated for the mutar purpose. Comes along Rabbi and he says that can't be because one of the things mentioned in the Mishnah is a rachat or a mazlek and no one would ever dedicate that for a mutar purpose. They're used for winnowing. So say, Elama, Rabbi, Rabbi, rather, Rabbi says, the mission is referring to Kurno Shel Nafochim, a blacksmith's axe. Le Petsa Boy Sa Goizim, and you're allowed to use it to open nuts. Kosovar, he holds, Dovar Shemalachto Le Isur, Le Tsoire Kufo Mutar, something that is used for Isur, if you want to use it for a heter purpose, Mutar, then it's permitted. And that's what, that's what, so this is the, we've just been introduced to a new type of Muktsa. That's called Kli Shemalachtole Isur. A Kli that is normally used for Isur. As we saw in the Mishnah, it gave quite a few good examples, but one, a hammer. You normally use a hammer to knock in nails in the wall, which is Osur. But if you want to use the hammer to open uh, 
nut or anything else you need to open. Another example could be a scissors. You normally use your scissors for cutting paper, which is asur. Let's assume you want to cut it specifically to size. So it's machate, it's isur, one of the 39 malachas. You want to use it to cut, a, um, probably even to cut a package open or to cut some food up. The easiest way to cut the, the parsley into, little, into pieces. Okay, not too fine pieces because then you're grinding, but use a scissors. So that's a cliche malatale. So it's normally used for also, but if you want to use it for heter, it would be permitted. Now, I see by a by a challenge this. It says, Meducha shell, Meducha regarding a mortar. This is a, a mortar is the bowl or the board that they would crash things on. So it's used, so it's a cliche malachtole isur because it's used for crushing. So im yesh bo shum metaltel also. If it has garlic in it, you can move it. The im lav ain't metaltel also. But if it does not have garlic in, you cannot move it. But it's a, why? If you want to use it, then it should be mutar. Why should you only be allowed to, it shouldn't be muksa. Why should you only be allowed to move it if there's garlic in it and you're moving it because of the garlic? So Amalei ho mani Rebbe Nechemia. He know that Rebbe Nechemia do Amar aim kli nital ele letzaria tashmisho. It's Rebbe Nechemia who holds that a kli may only be moved for its use. I Rebbe Nechemia, we're going to see him a few times, but he has a very strict opinion of muktza. He holds you're only allowed to take a kli to use it for its normal use. I can't think of an example, but even something that's generally permitted to use, you wouldn't be allowed to take a knife. And use it to, uh, I don't know what, uh, scrape something. You would only be allowed to use a knife to cut something. That's, uh, I can't think of better examples offhand, but that's what he holds. You can only take something that is used, and you're only allowed to move something for its normal use, but not even for another use that's permitted. Now, ACFA, they brought another challenge. I'll read what the brackets as well. It says, Beishama say, you're not allowed to take a pestle to chop a meat on it, but Beishilal say you can. This, this is regarding Yomtev. You want to take meat to cut it for Simchas Yomtev. It says, and Beishilal have a special leniency for Simchas Yomtev that you can use this pestle. They both agree that once you have cut meat on it, it would be also to move it. Now, but wait. It's, granted, it's a cliche malatala isur. If you want to use it for a heter purpose, you're allowed to move it. So why, why straight after would Basil come along and say that it's also to move? Again, in the first case, Basila were only lenient because of Simchas Yom Tov. They made a special dispensation, but in general, it's a cliche malachtola isur. It would be forbidden to use. So he says, Sovar lishnuye loke Rebbe Nechemia. He had first one to do answer like Rebbe Nechemia. What did we just see Rebbe Nechemia holds? He holds everything's mutza for, anything, for any purpose besides what it is meant for. So a pestle is only allowed to be used as a pestle. I mean, you wouldn't be allowed to use it as a pestle on Shabbos because that's a thing. But a bowl would only be allowed to use it as a bowl. A knife only as a knife. Any using, even something that's mutar for another purpose, would be also. 
Sie said, but Kiva in the Shomaloho de Rebi Hanina, but then he heard about this teaching of Rebi Hanina by Shalmia, Mishmaid Rav in the name of Rav. Hakol Moidim, Besichai Zireum Zurei, with these different types of pins, uh, presses, and clothing irons, etc. The Kiva in the Kopidalayo, since the laundra is particular about the Meyachid Lehu Mokom, he designates a place for them. Hachanami Meyachid Lehu Mokom, so to here, this is special, and he designates a. An, an item to them. I so just been introduced. Uh, introduced um, this Rebina Chanina Bar Shalmia Mishmei Derav has introduced us to a new type of muktzah. That's what we call muktzah machmas chesron kis. If you have something that's special, like a special work implement that you really don't want to get damaged, that you only use it very specifically for what its use is, then you put it away before Shabbos. You make it muktzah. Right, so let's say you have this uh, special clothes press. Now, you don't want it to get dirty. You don't want it to get, uh, um, you don't want it to get dented or anything because when you tress, press the clothes, it will either leave the mark or it will crease the clothes if it's not perfectly smooth. So, therefore, you make it mooks on Erev Shabbos. You put it away for no other purpose. So, Rav is saying that we would say the same thing by this, um, this pestle. You're not going to want your pestle used for other things because then when you crush your spices, they're going to get... These other substances, as we'll see a bit later, funny smells or who knows what else on them, and it's going to ruin them. So you special things that you put away and use them uniquely for their own purpose, those are what we call a mutza machmas chesron kiss, something uh, generally translated as because it's valuable or because you'll lose the money, but what it really means is it's you, you, you've, you treat it very carefully and use it only specifically for its purpose and you don't allow it to be used for anything else. That remains mutza. So... Yeah, so we've had three, two opinions so far. We had Rav Yehuda, who came along and said, a isur is osur. Then we've had, which we weren't too happy because that doesn't seem to fit in the, with the Mishnah too well. Then we had Rabbi who came along and came, who said, no, klisha malachtole isur, the tzorech gufo is permitted. A kli that, a, even a utensil, a Kli that is dedicated for Isur, to use it for a mutar purpose, is 100% mutar. You're allowed to move it and use it. And all these other items that we saw that we were strict about, that we learned that you can't move them at all, that's because they're a different type of muktza. They're what's called muktza machmas chesron kis. We'll see an example of this later on, but I think a very good example is like a shchitanaf. It's a brilliant knife, great quality, very sharp, but you're never ever going to use it to cut anything else besides shchita because you don't want it to get any nicks. As soon as it gets a nick, it's ruined. So that's clear. That's muktzamas maches from kiss. He puts it away that it's not to be used at all for any other purpose besides shchita, and that's and therefore it remains muktzah even if you want to use it for a mutar purpose like cutting your vegetables. But that's because the owner made it muktzah because he doesn't want anyone to do that. Okay, Itmar, we're just carrying on with this discussion. Itmar, Rabbi Chiyabar Abba, Omer Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Chiyabar Abba says, Nei Rabbi Yochan, Kuna Shulso, Huvim Shoniru. Our Mishnah was referring to a hammer of a goldsmith. Now a hammer of a goldsmith is very similar to Rabbi. He's saying it's something that's normally used for Isur. It's used uh, making jewelry, plating gold. You want to hammer the gold that it gets very smooth. And in a way it's even a bit stricter than Rava because remember he's going to be stricter about it than a blacksmith is about his hammer because... He's making jewelry and working with gold. He needs it much more, much smoother. But still, that's 
also to use on Shabbos, it's mutzah, but if you want to use it, let's kufa, for its purpose, for another mutar purpose, you want to, sorry, you want to use it for another purpose, that would be mutar. Rav Shemin Bar Abba, Omar Kurna Shel Basamim Shaninu, and Rav Shemin Bar Abba says, we're actually referring to the hammer of spice makers. He says, Man to Omar, the Basamim Kolsha Kain Sohuvim, the one who says you can even use the, smart, the spice hammer, obviously you can use the goldsmith's hammer for nuts, for opening nuts. Rabbi Yochanan who said you can use the goldsmith's hammer, he's saying but you wouldn't be allowed to use a spice maker's, um, a perfume maker's hammer. Why? Because the perfume maker's very particular about his hammer. He doesn't want any foreign smells or any dirt or anything on his hammer. Because then it will ruin the spices that he goes and makes with it. So that would be kiss. Okay, so we have a subtle machloike says what degree makes something kiss. But the principle is there of those two types of which of of muktza. Sorry, Those are two other items we mentioned in the Mishnah. If you had a uh, unripe fig that you were storing, you buried it in straw. Now straw is muktzah because it's mostly used for making cement. Now you bury this fig in it so that it ripens quickly. And or you had a cake that was buried in coals. Now, obviously, we're speaking where the coals have been extinguished. If some of it is revealed, either top is uncovered, then you can move it. The imlav also letatlo, but if not, it would be forbidden to move it. He says, no, even if they're completely buried, you can spear them with one of these pokey implements that the mission was discussing and take it out. I, what do we say? What's the machloikis here? It's what's called tiltul minatsad, moving something indirectly. Here you just want to get, you want to pick up the, the unripe fig from amongst the straw. So, so the first opinion says as long as you can pick it up, because just taking hold of it and it kind of just leaves a hole in it, that's fine. Because you haven't moved the muktzah. But what happens if it's actually buried in the straw and when you go to pick it up, the straw has to fall away and move away? That would be a problem. Rebbe Loza ben Tudai says, no. You can even stick, the, stick something in. Don't actually move the straw yourself, but stick a little uh, skewer through the straw and pick up the unripe fig using that. And granted, you are moving the muktzah. It's min. It's tiltulminatzad. It's moving it in an indirect way, because you're picking up the heter, the unripe fig, and indirectly moving the muktzah, which he holds is fine. In, in regards to that, Omar Rav Nachman alocha kribilaz ben tutai. Rabbi Nachman, Rav Nachman says that alocha is like ben tutai. You're allowed to move muktzah in an indirect way. The memory to sover Rav Nachman tiltulminatzad loish may tiltul. You telling me that Rav Nachman says tiltulminatzad is not considered tiltul? I'll show you where Rav Nachman says you're not allowed to move some muktzah indirectly. He says v'hamar Rav Nachman high pugla milman lemata shori. Sorry, if you have this radish that's buried in the earth, okay, not. Planted in the earth because then you're not allowed to pick it because that's one of the that's the Isidorais of picking, but it's just buried in the earth. They would store it in the earth, so it would store it. If it's thick part up, you know, radishes are pointy, they and very narrow at the bottom and wider towards the top. So if it's buried with the top part, and then obviously, sorry, two things one is the, the radishes are pointy, so they 
um, wider at the top and very narrow at the bottom. And secondly, they wouldn't bury them all the way in. They would bury, just place it in the ground that they could see the top. So if it was buried, so he says, so Nachman says, if it's buried, that the thick part is on top, Shori, then you can move it. Because when you pick up the radish, you're not going to move any of the sand. If it's buried upside down, that the thick part of the radish is at the bottom, well then when you move it, it's also because when you pick up the pointy part of the radish, all the earth that is around it is going to fall away. So that's Mutzah. But what do we see? Rav Nachman holds that moving something indirect, moving Mutzah indirectly is also. So Harabai Rav Nachman, he, no, Rav Nachman retracted from the radish case. Right, so he agrees you can do Tiltul Minatzad. Something to think about to what degree is considered. Mutzah is a very, it's a very interesting one. There are a few main principles which underlie most of the... They, they say there are about, uh, I don't know, five to ten types of muksa, And those are the main principles. Um, but there's subtleties in each of them. Like how, how far is something tiltum and outside? We see there are different types of tiltum and outside. Like here you're picking up something heter. Like you skewering the unripe fig and then you pick it up and the straw falls away from it. Or you're pulling up this radish and the earth all falls off it. That's tiltum inside. Another type of tiltum inside would be moving something with your foot or your elbow as opposed to with your hand. So there are also different degrees of tiltum inside. That's something important to keep in mind. Carrying on, it says, Mechat shall yad little bo, etc. He says you can use a little needle to remove a thorn. Now a needle is generally, is a klisha malachtali isur. Why is a needle a klisha malachtali isur? What's it normally for? Sewing work. So that's a but you're allowed to use it for a permitted purpose. Now Sholach Rebi Yeah, before we go on, I just want to highlight another type. There two there's a type of muktza called Muktza Machmas Gufa. This we actually discussed earlier on in the Masechta, and that is where the thing is not a kli. Then it's a very strict level of muktza. If it's a stone, a stick, a unusable item, then it's not a kli, and then it's muktza machmas. Gufo, that's a quite a strict level of mutza. Whereas here, this type of mutza we're discussing, a kli shemalachtali isur. It is a kli, but it's something usually used for isur. Now, just regarding the needle, that's, this point is what we're going to discuss regarding the needle. It says, Shalach lay rava braiderav, the rabba lerav yosef, rava, the son of rabba, asked rav yosef, yomadainu rabbeinu mechot shenitel kharoro uksa mahu. What would be the halacha regarding mutza? Of the needle that is missing the eye of the needle or the point of the needle. So Omalay, he said to Nitua, we learned in the Bryce, a mechad little bo esakoits. You can use a hand needle to remove a thorn. If you're using a needle to remove a thorn, who cares whether it has an eye or not? You don't need that. So what do we see? That a needle without an eye is still a clear and it's not mutza. He says, he challenged him. He says, he says, well, I wasn't so clear. He says, He says, if a needle is missing that uh, that eye or point has been taken off or broken off, is now tohor. We know that kalim can become tome. If they're damaged in a way that you can't use it as the key anymore, then they turn tohor again. So this brizer comes along and says, if you break the eye of the needle, it becomes tohor. Wait, that implies that it's not a kli anymore. So he says, Omar Abaya Tuma Shabbos Koromis. Abaya says, Wait, you can't ask a contradiction between Tuma and Shabbos. 
Tumas klimase poinam. But tumas there's a special requirement that it's a klimase, it's a kli used for its action. I, this needle is made for sewing. As soon as it can't be used for sewing, even if it's still a kli that can be used for other things, it loses its tumma. He says, He says, No, but regarding Shabbos, what do you need? A kli that is fitting for use, fitting for anything, and this needle can still be used to take out a thorn. So according to yeah, according to Abaya, they are two distinct categories of halacha, and we don't we can't compare them. What's considered a clear regarding muktza, and what's considered a clear regarding tumah. Regarding tumah, it has to be what it was made for. As soon as you break it or damage it from that, it's not tumah anymore. It becomes tahor. Um, what's considered a clear regarding shabbos, as long as it has a use, then it's a clear. And it would be maybe a cliche malachtal or something, but as soon as you need it, for example, to take a thorn out of someone, it would be mutar. It says, Rava says, No, it's a good question. He says, No, if you're not considering a clear regarding tuma, it is also not a clear regarding Shabbos. So Maisibah they challenge Rava. He says, There's a price which says explicitly, a needle that's, whether it has the eye or not, you can move it on Shabbos. The only time that it makes a difference whether a needle has the eye or not, is regarding Tuma. It seems you're right. A buyer's distinction seems to be right. That, um, that only for Tuma, if it's missing the eye, is it tahor? But regarding Shabbos, if it's missing the eye, it can still be used to remove a splinter, and it would not be mutsa like that. <coughs> so he says, no. Targumah Abayah Liba de Rava. Abayah says, I can explain that to you, how Rava would answer it. But Gol Measkinan. There we're dealing with an unfinished needle. Zimnim de Mimla Sometimes you change your mind and use it as a kli. I says, so you've got this, I guess, a pointy piece of metal. And before you punch the eye into the needle, it's not makabal tumma because it's not the kli yet. However, you can decide to use it on Shabbos and to take out a thorn, it would not be muktza. Aval hecha de nitel charora oy utza. But if you had a needle that the eye of the needle was broken off or the point of the needle was broken off, zorka leban kustra, he throws it amongst his scraps. Uh, he doesn't care about a needle anymore. Uh, what are we saying? A needle that's half made, that has a point he cares about and he keeps, and therefore on Shabbos you might decide to use it as a cleat to take out a thorn, which is fine. But regarding a needle that breaks, that he's going to chuck straight away. He's not going to say, oh look, I know this needle's missing the arm, but it's perfect for taking out splinters, I'm going to keep it. He's not going to, so he'll chuck it straight away, and therefore that's why this that's why uh, Rava would explain this b'risa, and it would be mukta in that case. Now, we've actually mentioned, by the way, we've touched on something very interestingly. Taking out a thorn on Shabbos. So that we're fine with. Are you making an opening? So we actually discussed that earlier. Your intent, it's a, the easiest way to learn is it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, you're not making the hole in the skin to get something in and out. You just want the splinter out. You don't care about the hole in the skin or not. You just want the splint out. Okay, so it's not a malacha. But isn't it similar to matakein? It's fixing the person. Here you had a 
broken person. He has a splinter in him and now you're taking the splinter out, you're fixing him. So we see clearly it's not considered a problem of metaking. So with that in mind, it says, Asuba Yenuk. Yes. Well, it's probably more painful to have it in. I don't know what's the what's the issue of tsar. I mean, I know he's supposed to be comfortable and thing no, on Shabbos. Because of tsar, you because of tsar, you could take the splinter. Oh, well, that would be so, oh okay. If it's yeah, if it's uh, painful, yeah, maybe. Um, that would be maybe why malachos and trichalukufo is generally still also rabbanon, but here there's tsar. Oh. Yeah. I guess once we've come onto a drabonin, why can't we say that the Isra Matakain Gavri is only Isra Drabonin? Okay, I'm not sure about that. But Asubi Nuka Ramnatman also Varavshesha, sorry. What about resetting the limbs of a child? Basically, if a child sometimes when he's born he's a bit dislocated and needs his limbs uh, set. Obviously we're not discussing where it's an emergency or dangerous, because then you could do anything. We're discussing just can you do it then on Shabbos when he's born, or should you wait till after Shabbos? So Rav Nachman says it's forbidden because you're fixing the person. It's similar to metake mana. That's how Rashi does. Rav Sheisha, sorry, Rav Sheisha says it's allowed. Now, Omer, how do I know that it is osur, the tnan, as we learned in the Mishnah? Ein oisin apik tavizin b'shabbos. You're not allowed to make this. Um, it's a vomiting, a thing that induces vomiting on Shabbos. And Rashi points out, you're not allowed to make it on Shabbos. Rashi points out, we're not discussing where you're taking it for a fur, because, you know, obviously you're not allowed to take it for a fur. Rashi says we're discussing a case where you're taking it to make you vomit so you can eat even more. Such a, um, so that's why you're taking this vomiting agent not as a refuah, to clean out, to clean out his stomach, which is matak and gavris, just to fix the person. And this price says you're not allowed to. Rav Sheishes, Rav Sheishes says, you can't learn from there. Hasan lav urcha, hacha urcha. There it's not normal. There you're interfering in the normal Seder of events. People eat and they become full and then they think. Here you take in this agent thing. But to set a child's limb, he says, very interesting, Rashi explains, he says, it's the same as eating. Just as you give the child food and it makes the child stronger and better, so, you too, so too you can set his limbs and say he becomes better. We don't say you've got to be careful about eating on Shabbos because it's matake and gavra, you're fixing the person. No, it's in the, when it's in the normal Seder of events, the normal order, the normal nature, it's not considered matak and gavra. So Zomar Rav Sheshis, Minah Minah, but Rav Sheshis says, what's my proof that it's allowed? The Tanan, as we learned in the Mishnah, Mechet shel yad little bo esakoitz. If he has a hand needle, he, uh, uh, yeah, a little needle, he can use it to take out a thorn. Now, isn't taking out a thorn metake and gavra? So just as you can take out the thorn or the splinter, so too you can set the child's limbs. Rav Nachman, Omar, Rav Nachman will answer and explain. He says, Hasam, pocket, pocket. He says, there... Um, seven second. Yeah, literally posit, deposited. There, it's external to the person. The thorn and the person are clearly two distinct things. So to take out the thorn is not viewed as fixing the person. It's two different things. But the limbs of this baby that you want to reset are part of the person, and therefore it is improving the person. Okay, so we have an interesting machlokes regarding uh, how to define and what's considered Let's use the word matak and gavra, fixing a person. When would it be osur or mutar? But remember, our main discussion was mutza 
and we came onto that, but and we brought that. You can take a needle, which is a cliche malatulisur, to take out a splinter. Again, you wouldn't be allowed to just pick up the needle and move it around because it is mukta, it is a cliche malatulisur, but you are allowed to take out a cli and take pick up this cliche malatulisur, the tsoire gufa for a mutar purpose. Okay, next Mishnah, Konoshal Zaisim, this uh, rod for olives. If it has this knot at the end of it, it can become tome. If it does not have this rod, it cannot become tome. And either case, you can use it on Shabbos. It is a kli. Remember, if it's not a kli, if it's just a stick, it would be also used on Shabbos, but this is a stick. The stick we're talking about is they used to collect the olives in a basket or in some or in a vat and then they used to leave it for a bit till they'd get a bit softer and they would like stir it and stick this uh, stick in and they could tell when it were when they were ready to be pressed so this stick is a clee so it can be moved on shabbos however the if it has this knot on the end it will become tome we'll see shortly about this it's a my why is it makabal tuma it's a flat wood and flat pieces of wood are not tome, cannot become tome. As we know, it has to be similar to a sack. Um, wood and sack are compared in the pasuk. Just as a sack can hold something, so to a piece of wood to be able to become tome has to have a base kibble, an area to hold something in it. So this rod, where can you hold something in a rod, in a stick? So it says, Tanim, which made the Rebina Chemia, they, they taught a price in the name of Rebina Chemia, Bishashem Mahapet, Bazesim Hopchum Verobo. He says, No. The stick has a little collection point at the end. This, this knot at the end makes an indent, and they would mix the olive, and he would pick it out and examine if any oil or anything got stuck in the knot at the end. And if it did get stuck in the knot, he would be able to determine by that whether the olives were ready to press or not. And therefore, that knot at the end is used to hold things in. It's used to hold the oil or these liquids that come out the olives. And, and therefore, it can be makabal tuma, become tome. And again, why is it mutar on Shabbos? Because since it's designated for using as the stick as it is, granted sticks are often... Um, the stick is used for a specific purpose it's a kli next Mishnah Rabbi Yossi says any kli can be moved on Shabbos except for a large saw or a blade for a plow is a blade for a for a plow. Now Rashi explains, and this is the important point, we actually mentioned it on the previous Amud, but Rashi says, Because these he is so particular with that he designates a place for them because he doesn't want them to use, be used for anything else. This saw, that's for wood, for cutting large beams, you don't want someone to start chopping or cutting anything else with because then they damage the saw, they take away the sharpness. They damage the, I don't know what you call the, the things, the, the jagged edge of the saw. They dent those and damage those and it's not so effective. So you put your saw away and keep it specifically for cutting the, the planks. And therefore you make it mukta. So even if you want to take that saw to cut open cheese or something like that, um, it would be osur. And uh, similarly with this plow, the blade of the plow, you don't want it to get dented or damaged or anything because then it won't be such an effective plow. So you put it away and that makes it mukta. 
Um, but all other kalim, if you need them, you can use them. Um, just an interesting, one of my friends sent, sent me a shala that he, was, that he saw. Someone wanted to know, they, they, can they, is there a way to kasha, I don't know if they're asking to kasha or tovel, their chainsaw. Because they wanted, there's a special type of meat that you prepare and you cut it up or whatever using a chainsaw. So he wanted to know if he can uh, kasha or tovel his uh, chainsaw. So that's this question. That's a, and would you be allowed to use it on? Uh, I'm, 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 now I'm asking, would you be allowed to use that on Shabbos or not? But uh, obviously not with the electric blade, but just the blade and stuff, etc. But I thought that was funny. We're speaking about cutting food with a saw, and I, in my mind, I was like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Who would ever cut a cut a, <laughs> cut food with a saw? And just yesterday, a friend told me about this question. He was asked, okay. Um, Okay, so just before going into the Gomorrah to re-emphasize the, the two types of muktzah we're discussing at hand is there's what's called a kli isur, a kli. If you have a utensil that is generally used for an osur purpose, it's considered muktzah as it is. But as soon as you need it for a permitted purpose, then you're allowed to use it, you're allowed to take it. That's a kli isur. What about a kli... Then the other type of muktzah we're discussing is a kli that you're very makbid with, that you're very particular with. As I said, in, uh, in halacha, that's generally referred to as a muktzah machmas chesron kis. You would never use it. You care about it. You would never use it for anything else. And therefore, it is muktzah. Um, like I said, um, that would be a shchitanaf. We saw this saw, the special large saw, um, according to some, a spice maker's hammer, all these things that a person would never let you use or never want you to use for anything else, it would be uh, would be considered, uh, would be muktza machmas chesron kis, and that's actually stricter and remains muktza over Shabbos, even if you subsequently want to use it for a permitted purpose. Just interestingly, klisha malachtal let's say you got uh, got a whole thing of serviettes on the table and the wind's blowing them away. So you could, can you pick up your pen or uh, anything uh, a scissors uh, a torch anything a cliche and uh, put it on those serviettes so that would be fine because it's a cliche but you want to use it as a paperweight not no isur in using something as a paperweight and other such there are many as there are many such examples of a cliche something that's normally used for isur um you want to use, as I mentioned before, you want to use uh, scissors that for cutting paper and things like that. Or you want to use it to cut food. Definitely mutar again. So that would all be that case of klish malatul You might say, so a regular pen would be a klish malatul Therefore, if you want to use it as a paperweight or, you know, something like that, that would be fine. You could say maybe if someone has a fancy pen, you know, some people have their special fountain pen or their special... Uh, uh, What's a special Mont Blanc uh, gold-tipped pen that they're not going to use for anything except signing it's, it's except signing important documents? Okay, now that would not be a klisha malachtal iser anymore. That would be mutza machmas chesron kis. He keeps it aside on erev Shabbos. He puts it away specially in the drawer that no one's going to use for because he's not doesn't want it to get damaged. Doesn't want it to be used for anything else. If you suggest to him, even in the weekday, to use it as a paperweight, he'd freak out. So that's the sort of item that we're discussing. Okay, back into the Gemara. Omar Abnachman, hi, Uchlit a laundress sprinkler. 
Kiesed Shamachreitse Damia is also similar to this um, plows. Again, he doesn't want it damaged, he doesn't want it dirty, and therefore it would be Mukta. Omrabaya, Harvadu Shvichi, a shoemaker's knife, Sakina de Ishkavta, a butcher's knife, the Chatsina de Nagri, a carpenter's saw or knife. Kiesed Shamachreitse Damia all have the status of of this, of like similar to a plow, the blade of a plow. Ton Rabbonin, now we learn to write. Now we're going to go through the history of Mutza. Ton Rabbonin, Berishoyno, Hoyu Oimrim, Shloisha, Kalim, Nitlim, Shabbos. At first they used to say there were only three Kalim you're allowed to move on Shabbos. Everything else is also. Shall Mitzua shall Devela, a knife for cutting a fig cake. Vizuoma Listron shall Kadeira, and a special ladle to remove the dirt from a pot. And a small knife that's on the table. For example, that would be like the bread knife or the meat knife, etc. The small knife on the table. Those were the only three things that are not mukta. Everything else was mukta. That was the original Zaira. Tosfa say, must be food things like bowls and plates and cups and cutlery were an exception. But all other kalim, that, that's how Tosfa's learned, at the start of mukta, they were everything except for those were mukta. But let's just keep it simple and say everything except for these three items was mutza. It says, Chosru, yeah, Hitiru, then they went lenient. Chosru, Vehitiru, and then they went even more lenient. Chosru, Vehitiru, and they went even more lenient. Adshu Omra, until they even went so lenient, and they said, Actually, all Kalim are not mutza, except for a, a large saw, and a yesed shel machresha. Now, Rashi gives us a little bit of background, but it will come out through the Gemara, but it's easier if we know the background beforehand. It says, in the times of, uh, it was Nehemiah. Let me just check, I get it. Can you yeah, Nehemiah ben Chakalia, that's at the time of the building of the second base Amigdash. If you found, and if you read the psuk in there, it's very clear that the Jews were not very careful with Shabbos. They were treating it very lightly. And therefore he came along and he made these very strict gazeras regarding Mukta so that people would start taking Shabbos seriously. And as he saw that the people were more and more careful with Shabbos, he, he what's it, uh, lessened, he, he permitted more and more um, areas of Mukta. So that's again, this type of mukta. again, we're speaking about the mukta. Um, so that's what we started off with, saying that there were only three kalim that were actually permitted to use on Shabbos. Every single other kli was mukta on Shabbos. And then as Nehemiah ben Chikalia, and obviously the sages of his time, saw that the people were going more and more, getting more and more careful with Shabbos, they lessened and lessened the severity of Mutzah until we have our, mitz- our Mishnah that says everything is not Mutzah except for these things that are Mutzah, Machmas, Cheshron, Kis. Okay, now the Gemara is going to ask, my Hitayru, V'chosri Hitayru, V'chosri Hitayru, what's this progression that they went more lenient and more lenient? So before we go on, there are a few types, um, types of movement we're going to discuss and a few types of, of so firstly, one is a klisha melachtelehetel, something that's generally used for a mutar purpose. I mean, if you think, if there are only three things that you're permitted to use on Shabbos, there are hundreds of other things that theoretically are mutar, but are still considered mutar. 
So that would be what we call a klishamalatalaheter. And as you're going to see, it's not so straightforward to just move it around just for fun. I fidgeting and uh, moving something to store away could be problematic because it could have this, even though it's a klishamalatalaheter, it's normally used for something permitted for other just to put it away or just to uh, move it for fun could be a problem let's just take for example a key are you allowed to um, throw a key up and down are you allowed to just take a key that's on a table and hang it on the storage on the key hooks so that could be a cliche even though it's permitted to use a key on Shabbos, a key on Shabbos it could be a problem so that's cliche malatalaheter cliche malatalaheter we know pretty clearly what that is that's a key that's generally used for something that's forbidden and then as we've said now different types of movement there's what's called the tzorech gufo for its sake what's the tzorech again the tzorech gufo moving it for its sake is uh, um, yeah to take that key and use it for another purpose, but for a permitted purpose. That's L'Tzorek Kufa. Now the one is L'Tzorek Makoma. You need the place where it is. Someone left a pen on the dining room table, and you want to set the table. So that's L'Tzorek Makoma moving it for its place. And the other type we see, and again, but that's for a Shabbos need still. And then the, the third type we're going to see is Mechamel itself from the sun to the shade. I moving it not for Shabbos but to protect that kli. Let's say someone left, uh, let's assume a cell phone's muksa um, kli. Let, let's assume a cell phone's kli shemalatul isu. So someone left their cell phone outside. So you don't want it to get damaged by the rain or you don't want it to get stolen. So that would be what's called Mechamel itself from the sun to the shade. Or someone left, uh, yeah, they left something out in the sun. You don't want it to get damaged by the sun or the rain. So you want to move it to undercover. That would be a third time. Now, again, that's even more lenient because that's not for, because you need to use the clee. And it's not because you need the place where the clee is. It's just to protect that clee, which is actually something that's generally also to use on Shabbos. So that's the third time. Let's go into this now. So what's this that they progressively went more lenient with Mukta? So Omar Abaya Hitiru Dovash Malatala Hetelatari Kufar at first they came along and permitted something that is heter when you need it. I so let's just say Yeah, so that would be something that's muta when you need it you can use it. Then they came along and permitted something that you're allowed to use on Shabbos, they permitted you to move it if you need the place where it is. And then they came along and permitted something that is but only if you need to use the atom, not just because it's somewhere where you just because it's in your way. So I if you needed the pen as a paperweight, then you'd be allowed to move it. But if the pen was just on the dining room table where you wanted to set the table, you would not be allowed to move it. And still they only permitted it if it was something that you could carry in one hand, but if it was so big that you needed two hands to carry, you would not be allowed to move it on Shabbos. Ad until they came went so lenient and they said, All Kalim can be moved on Shabbos even if it's with two hands. So Abayah, as we've seen, Abayah has gone quite lenient. And he holds basically that Klish can be moved. But a Klish is stricter. You can only move it, let's say, but it doesn't matter what size it is. 
Once they've come along and said you can move a kli, what difference does it make whether it's l'tzorech guf or l'tzorech mekoma? It just says they made lenient. Why are you making a distinction in that? Again, we're discussing a kli shemelachto leheter, something that would normally be permitted. I'm trying to think of an example in my mind um, without uh, running into trouble with Tosfus, but let's just say uh, a scissors that's for cutting chicken, you know, you get those chicken scissors. So that's scissors. It's a cliche after the heter for permitted use on Shabbos. With the initial gzaira of mukta, that would have been osur. Because there are only three things that are not mukta, and the scissors for chicken doesn't fall into that category. So chicken scissors would have been osur. And Rava says, once, Chaza, once they came along and said it's a mutar, they went lenient, why would you make a distinction whether you're moving that chicken scissors because you want to cut chicken with it, or you're moving it because it was left on the table and you want to set the table? It says, So he says, Something that is uh, you can move it whether you need, sorry, something that's a malachtoleheter, it's used for permitted ways. You can move it whether you need it or whether you need the place where it is. And then they and then they came along and went even more lenient. You can move it for the clear itself. Not for any purpose that you need, but for the clear itself. It was left uh, left outside. You can move it inside. Just for its so it doesn't get stolen, also that it doesn't get damaged by the sun, etc. And then they came along and permitted even something that's malachtole isur, the tzorek kufa or the tzorek makoma in specifically for itself or for its place, mechamel itself law, but not from the sun to the shade. Va'adayin ba'adam echot in b'shnei b'nei adam law, and still they only permitted it if it could be moved by one person, but not if it needed to be moved. But it was so big it had to be moved by two people. Until they came along and said, Until they came along and said, Anything can be carried on Shabbos, even if it requires two people to move it. So, now by challenges, he says, We said by a mortar. If it's got garlic in, then you can move it. But if not, you can't move it. Now, according to a buyer, when would you not be allowed to move a, pe- a, a mortar? A mortar is a cliche malatele isur. So that would be because you need the place. So he says that makes sense why you can't move this pestle. Just because you need to put something else on the counter, you can't move the pestle. But according to you, Robert, who says a cliche malatele isur can be moved whether it's needed for its sake or whether you need the place where it is, when would you ever have a case of a mortar that you can't move? So ACV. I'm sorry, so that was his chance. Rava says, no, that's referring to you want to move it from the sun to the shade. It's going to get, you're not moving it because you need it or you need the place. You want to move it because it's somewhere where you don't want it, because it's going to get damaged. That's not a good enough reason to move it. Hillel and Beishama agree that if you took this mort pestle and you cut uh, meat on it, for Yom Tov, okay, you according to Beis Hillel, for special, for Yom Tov, you're allowed to cut meat on it, but then you're not allowed to move it. Again, according to Rava, when do you ever have a scenario that you're not allowed to move a klisha malachta leisur? Again, he says, So, so to yeah, that's from sun to shade. Um, 
Yeah. I was really hoping to get a bit further, but I think let's... Yeah, just so to make it a bit clearer, let, let's actually try to do a few more lines. No, um, yeah. let's just, we'll leave it here in the Gomorrah, but let's just try to do a few more lines. Uh, let's just get this clear. So we, we've discussed two main types of mukta. Let's, for example, we've discussed, let's just call it a, a bread knife. That's a klisha malatelehete. It's turned out that that's, you can move for any reason. You can move that because you want to put something where it is. You can move that because you want to, uh, I don't know, yeah, bread knife is a bad example because the original Zayra of Mukta seemed to permit a bread knife. But let's say you had, uh, I don't know, let's use this uh, kitchen scissors for cutting chicken. So it's a cliche malatelehete, it's used for cutting chicken, which is 100% fine. But with the initial Zayra, it would be completely also to move. We Paskin like Rava, so I'm only going to explain, I should have mentioned that first. We Paskin like Rava, so I'm going to explain according to Rava. Rava says initially they came along, and now since it's a cliche malatelehete, you can move it for any reason. Basically any reason. If you want to use the kitchen scissors, you can move it. If it's somewhere where you don't want it to be because you want to put something else there, or they left it on the chair and you want to sit on the chair, you can move it out the way. And you can even move it if it's somewhere where it's going to get damaged or stolen or something. You can take it and put it away. There is a discussion in the Rishonim. Some Rishonim holds you can't just move it for fun. So let's say you've got no good reason to move it. You just want to take it and put it in the cupboard or something like that. That might not be... It's not in your way. It's in the far corner of the kitchen. But you want to take it and put it in the cupboard for no real reason. That might be problematic still. Even nowadays. But um, th that would be a minor point. The second point, if you have a klisha malachtola isur. So let's say your hammer. So your hammer, you need the hammer to... Why is it a klisha malachtola isur? Because it's normally used for building. Building's awesome. If you need it to open nuts or to open something for food, that would be permitted. So you're allowed to take it. Not only that, let's say someone left the hammer on the counter or on a chair or on the table and you need to put something else there. So let's say you're also allowed to move it. However, if let's say someone left the hammer outside, there you would not be allowed to move it because mechamel itself, you're not allowed to move it. That the isur mukta still remains. So that's something important to keep in mind. Um, make sure to put all your toys, all your tools and toys away before Shabbos, so you don't run into this uh, problem. But that would be. A practical example again if the hammer was left outside if it's left outside on the table and you want to set the table you want to eat outside and you want to set the table okay well then you need you can move it but once you've uh, um, but if you just left it outside you saw it and you say oh no I left my hammer outside and it's going to get rusty in the rain or something that's you can't move it yeah and I think uh, let's leave it there for today